0: Listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar
1: Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757 774 8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E R I C D A W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, the guitar tech podcast. My name is Eric Daw, longtime guitar builder and repairman. Today's co host is Nat. Oh. Hello, Nat. I am glad to be here. Good. Greetings. Greetings I to you, will. sir. Thank
2: you. I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Yep.
1: I will try. My mic's a little bit weak, isn't it? What's on your bench lately, Eric? A lot of pickup repairs and a lot of <laughs> a lot of everything, is it? A lot of a lot of everything. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got through four or five pretty extensive acoustic restorations that I'm Ooh. that I'm just getting started on. That's an R word. Fully it's, restore them, huh? Yeah, and it's not like I don't know it's just tedious work. It's good though. It'll be great. It's craftsmanship. Yeah, it'll be great. It is good. Did what? you
2: just do some custom guitars? Did you? Do the people know about that?
1: I have some that uh, are in the paint booth right now. Oh, so they're not ready to be emailed no, to the masses. No, 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 no. Well, that's neat. Yeah, there will be three of them done in about as many weeks. Oh yeah takes a while huh? it does they're in the paint booth right now and then the paint has to cure and that takes another that takes an extra week you know
2: yeah well you can't rush these good things like Ernest and Julio Gallo <laughs> <laughs> all right a, hey if there's that's all I got is obscure references I don't have any you know you got any see Everett, refer- Everett Coop references I do a little bit if they if that comes up all
1: right bless his heart Well, there's really not much to report, and we have a lot of questions, so... You want to get right into it? I think we should. I think we should just get right into it. Let's see. We could complain about the weather. I don't want to. All right.
2: (laughs) All right. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Have one of them buttons.
3: Hey, Eric. I'm Matt. It's uh, Chad from Alberta, Canada. Oh. Uh, just listening to your show and uh about the talking about checking and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware uh, I work in body shops uh, and there is a machine called a UV light which is a very expensive lamp with a very expensive bulb but it reproduces the sun times a hundred and basically uh, if you were to spend 10 minutes with your guitar in front of that light you will get the yellowing and the checking happening before your eyes mm-hmm. but Fire Beware! Uh, it's a rapid process, and it might not necessarily be the best, but it is something that will work uh, a couple minutes at a time. It definitely uh, will yellow out an actual nitro, and it'll it'll start checking as it's drying out the ever wet nitrocellulose lacquer. So yeah. hopefully that's a tip that helps somebody. And you guys have a terrific day. Cheers for now. Bye. Right on.
1: Thanks. That's a good one. UV lamps. Yeah, I am aware of that. Uh, a lot of guys, and I've never tried this, but I guess a lot of guys who are making, you know, relic, replica, aged guitars, will take them to their local tanning booth. Oh.
3: <laughs>
1: and stick them in there, give them a nice little tanning session.
2: What does that do to your body if you're... I mean, your human body.
1: Oh, you just stick the guitar in there. You're not oh, in there.
2: I, I, well, okay, that's a good point, but, but if, yeah, if that, it does that to a guitar... Oh, I know. Wow.
1: But that that uh yeah, it ambers up the finish. It really does that UV. Mm-hmm. The UV uh light spectrum.
2: Yeah, rearranges the crystals and all kinds of stuff, I bet.
1: Ultraviolet. I would think though that they have additives that they put in a lot of paint to make it so that it doesn't yellow. Oh, I bet
2: they do now. So you sure really that's a big thing. Yeah,
1: you kind of have to use you kind of have to make sure that you're using old school real lacquer if you're yeah. going to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, if you've got access to the expensive body shop version of what our friend from from Canada was talking well, about there. And that, isn't
2: that interesting? So they would probably, that would be, you get a paint code, you mix it up, you spray it on there, and it looks vastly different. You got to hit it with this 100 times sun yeah. to even it out, I guess.
1: Well, and there are paints that are UV cured. Oh. So maybe that's what they're using it for. They spray it on, and then they use the UV lamp to cure it almost like Quaker, a... Quicker than yeah, something else. Yeah. Like ladies use fingernail polish that's UV cured now. They do? Yeah. yeah. They're they have so advanced. I know.
2: Don't ask me how I know. I happen to know that you are not a huge fan of doing this sort of thing on your guitars. With the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that, that to some extent, uh, maybe that's the first thing that your your mind lit on. But I remember when there was some kind of weird UV cabinet that showed up in the cool thrift store where weird things show up. Yeah. And you were unenthusiastic. Yeah. And I think someone must
1: have been using it for violins. Yeah, I think so. Well, I didn't buy it because I didn't have room for it. Yeah. Well, that's a big consideration. I just right didn't there. have room for it. And the way I yellow finishes... um. I actually use amber tint in the clear lacquer. Tint I, the lacquer. Yeah, I don't use UV light. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's why I didn't buy it. It's a good one. I like Finnish
2: insights from other industries. Yeah. Very good. All right. Look. Next. Yeah.
0: Hello, Eric and Nat. Hopefully Nat is there too. Hello, hey. Nat. Hi. It's Dean and Bo. Long-time listener. Oh. Been a long time since I've come in with a question, though. I am in that uh, mode of life where kids kind of take over.
1: Oh, you and me What's both
0: anyway.
2: I don't know what that's like.
0: I was calling to follow up a question from a few episodes ago about uh, a weak high E string. Oh, And yes. it's on a telly. I think mm-hmm. the caller was talking about a telly. Yep. As well, I have that problem on my telly, which is a Stumac kit telly um, that I've been chasing around and uh, wanted to add some thoughts. And there's some questions in here. So I've got that weak high E string. And uh, one of the things you said was it could be the nut. Sure. But I wonder yeah. when if when you're fretting a note and you're only hearing between your finger and the bridge, is what the nut's doing really going to affect the string in that situation? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I would think not. Uh, you tell me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did some aging on my hardware on this, so I, I did the muriatic acid fume technique thing, Ooh. and my bridge plate is got a lot of pitting and corrosion and a little rust and so one of the things that i discovered was maybe the adjustment screw on the saddle is sitting on a rough spot Mm -hmm. so i lifted that up and sanded it smooth under there so that the little adjustment screw was making better contact and that that did help a little but now i'm thinking this is a top loader bridge and maybe the problem is I don't get great downward pressure on the saddle with that high E string. And maybe I should be converting this to a string through type design. And so I'm going to look at that. Maybe you could talk about doing that. Uh, I know the hard part with that is getting those ferrules to line up perfectly on the back of the body when you're drilling through. And uh, maybe there's some tricks to that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, just wanted to know your thoughts on my thoughts. Thanks again for the great podcast. I really look forward to every episode. Um, it's just great to listen to and, of course, very useful. Good. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, weak E string, man. I mean, I agree with you. It's if you're fretting the note and it's still. You're fretting the note and it still doesn't have sustain, then it's probably not the nut. It's probably the saddle. You might have an issue there with, uh, because it's a top loader, like you said. You know, that's certainly, that's certainly a consideration if you wanted to, uh, convert that to a through body, um, guitar. Yeah, standard kind of Kelly deal. Yeah, it's not that difficult if you've got a drill press. Oh yeah. That's a big if. Yeah, you he don't might, want to just wing know, it. If you don't have a drill press, it can still be done. Here's a good trick. You know, you ne- you kind of need a template in or- in in order to get those uh holes drilled just right. And wouldn't you know, the perfect template is a bridge. Oh. And yeah. what you can what you can do is from the top You want to drill the outer holes all the way through the body to the back, okay? But you want to make sure that you've got the drill straight up and down. Like, that's why a a drill press is handy, so that you know that the drill bit is going perfectly straight. You don't want it to...
2: Can't have any wobble. Yeah, you
1: don't want it to be drifting to one side, you know, angled at all. Right. It has to go straight down.
2: Gotta be plum or something.
1: So if you can drill two perfectly straight holes for the outer E strings, then you can flip it over, you've got two holes, you put your bridge on there, and that's your template to drill the other holes. Huh. Right? And you'll start out with a small hole, like this, this size of, you know, that a string can pass through, and once you get those drilled, then you can use a, uh, you can use a a different bit you use a special bit actually to to drill those holes out in the back make sure they're the proper depth make sure they're the proper width to accept the ferrule in the rear the ferrule is just the
2: the metallic stop is that right mm-hmm. that that guides the string okay
1: yeah yeah the string ferrule yeah all right good question that's a good one i liked it that is good let's see what's next here, here you got any more I'm just not as fast yeah. on the draw here as uh, as I'd like to be with this computer. It's but not ergonomic. Okay.
3: It hey, not Eric, this is Matthew calling again from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh wow! And I wanted to get your take as a uh, player and repair guide on old Supro Valco National guitars, mm. uh, specifically the electric ones, either the ones that are made out of uh, the plastic. <clears throat> the glass ones or the wood ones. Um, I'd played some. i played one. It was a Coronado two. I was specifically talking about the old ones, not the reissues. Right. Um, but i played one a while back in a studio, and it just had the most amazing, kind of squishy, compressed tone. And I've kind of been on the hunt for one, but not too many around. And I wonder whether having a guitar made out of plastic, uh, you know, could be a pain in the butt. At this point, you know, 50, 60 years from when it was made. So yeah, if you could just uh, share your opinions on maybe having worked on or played some of those, what you thought about them, what you thought about the pickups, and uh, I appreciate that very much. Take care.
1: Hmm. Yeah, they're very cool. The pickups are the you know most of the ones that I've ever seen. They're humbucker sized, but if you open them up, they're actually not a humbucker. It's a single coil that sit, sits in there. Oh yeah, with huh. the mat. The magnet is off to the side, rather than above or below it. With steel pole pieces going through the middle of the uh, of the coil, oh. the unique design. It looks like a Gibson-style humbucker with pole pieces that are off, you know off to one side, but they're not. They're single coil, and they sound cool. They're cool guitars. They're cool pickups. They're uh, not. I don't know how. They're not super hi-fi, you know? Yep. I think he described it as kind of mushy sounding. Is that what he said? Yeah,
2: and, and compressed. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of mid-rangey, and it sounds like that's kind of what he wants. Yeah,
1: through the right amp, they're, they're great. Yeah. They're weird. Like the plastic body ones are, to work on them, you have to basically, the, you know, the the body is two halves joined with a center seam that runs all the way around the perimeter of the guitar so Mm -hmm. it opens up like a clamshell to work on it and then you've got the electronics there and everything strange to work on not that much fun and if you you know trying to get everything aligned when you put it back together then there's a rubber gasket that goes in between the two halves not the funnest project in the world but they sure look cool they're neat guitars they do look cool Chicago He's, made. Oh yeah.
2: He's a little bit concerned I it sounds like that there may be some warping or some distortion if they're old. Is that, mm-hmm. are they do they have a propensity to do
1: that? I've the Reso glass yeah. is that
2: fiberglass, I guess?
1: Yeah. Uh I've worked on a few that were difficult to get back together cuz and I don't know yeah. if they warped over time or if they just never fit
2: it's like the top of a hot air Very popcorn
1: well. popper, maybe after about seventy years. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it just warps. I had uh I had one in my personal collection for a while and it was the uh resonator version. Mm-hmm. So no pickup, just an acoustic. Oh. With a plastic, plastic body and bodied. Plastic bodied yeah, Resonator. With, yeah, with a cone. Yeah. You know, a resophonic cone. It was cool. It was cool. But again, not like it's not like a super high-end guitar, not top-shelf construction. No, at point, is it? They're they're
2: they're they're quirky, but that's not the niche that yeah. we're looking for. But
1: they're very cool. All right, all righty.
4: Hey, Eric. This is Jeff from Seattle. You've done uh, numerous things for for guitars that needed some major work in the past for me, and I just had a question for you. I just picked up a 92 Stevens Extended Cutaway Model T
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, built down in Eastlake in Seattle. Um. And I used to hang out down at that shop with my buddy, and he worked for your buddy, Jay. <laughs> and uh, I wonder what you thought of that neck joint and that whole thing that they did for a while that ended up being licensed to Washburn and and Nuno rocking out on it and stuff. What, what's your opinion on those guitars? You must have had a few come across your uh, your bench at Emerald C. Um I really like mine. It's chambered. It's painted black. It's a uh, has an F hole, and it's a uh, it's really held up throughout the years and it's been it's dinged up and played. And it'll probably be on its way to you for a refret within the next year or so. Oh boy! So, but what is your opinion on those? And and should they be more talked about than they are or was it a something that maybe shouldn't have happened? (laughs) Um, I like mine, but uh, I thought I'd ask you and see what your thoughts are. Uh, thanks a lot. Bye.
1: You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Do you know what he's talking about? I don't at all. I'll have to pull up a picture here for you. Uh, Stevens', Stevens model, extended
2: cutaway. Did you say Model T or something like that? There's a T involved. Well,
1: that's that would be. Is that a reference to a? It's just the model, but cutaway. But the Stevens' extended cutaway was a mm-hmm. neck joint system. You know, a bolt-on. Yeah. Neck, but instead of the four square, you know, four s- yeah. screws in a onto a square plate, it had. I don't remember if there were four screws or you know a few screws.
2: Well, it was kind of relieved that so you would could, attach yeah. to the
1: the neck to the body in kind of a half moon shape. Oh, that was way you know
2: yeah back. It's like webbed, like an attached earlobe or
1: something. And the point of it is, I mean, this was the '90s, okay, yeah. Nuno. The point of it is that you can play way up on like the seventeenth fret, yeah. which without much. Obstruction behind the neck because, because of the way attaches the neck attaches to the body, you've got free and clear access to the upper frets. Now
2: gets out of its own way. That's nice.
1: They're well made. It's a unique idea. It's well executed. You know, I he licensed it to uh, Washburn. He probably he probably made some coin off of doing this. You know, houseboat. He's Uh, like. It's and you probably could guess this, but it's not my thing. Yeah, like I don't care. He anticipated that, I think. I just don't care. But I don't have anything against them. I think they're well done. It's a cool idea. If you want to play on the twenty fourth fret, I'm never up there, so no, it's not my thing. But uh, they're well made. It's cool. It's cool, and it's kind of a it's kind of a rarity. You don't see many of these.
2: There are not a lot of innovations in the last, say, no. sixty years. I mean,
1: I saw a, I saw a few of them in Seattle. Did you hanging in the in the shops. Yeah, well, because they were made up there. Mm-hmm. So I did see, I did see a few of them there. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be converting my neck joints to the Stevens extended extended cutaway anytime soon.
2: Boy, it really does.
1: But look at a picture, people. This thing, it is extended. I will post a picture in the show notes there at fretfiles.com. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with more questions. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription and shipping included if you're in the usa great coffee every morning just got a little bit easier that's apexcoffeeroasters.com and if you go there and use my promo code you get an additional 10 percent off that's pinup p-i-n-u-p that's at apexcoffeeroasters.com You know, playersgearmusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time, but you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals, and sometimes they're in really unique... um, Containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. Playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out.
2: Greetings, Eric and Nat. Hi. I have installed a Bigsby and a tunomatic bridge on a cheap Strat copy body.
1: Oh no! I know. Ooh. On a Strat?
2: Yeah, it's like melodrama. Everybody has to boo and hiss. Guys twirling his villain mustache. <laughs> I know. Bigsby treblos are a favorite of yours, Eric. Check this out, Nat. Please insert sarcasm for effect. Oh, this guy been reading our mail. My question, do you recommend that I use an angled shim for the neck? That's your question? Well, I think you just wanted to listen <laughs> hear us groan. <laughs> <laughs> or, or do you think raising the neck up with a flat shim would work? That's a, a strange way to get at that question. I do know it's going to be a goofy-looking guitar, and that's kind of the appeal. Hopefully I hear about your love of Bigsby's on Strats. Any input is appreciated. Thanks for the show fortnightly, and I'll keep listening as long as you guys
1: keep putting out episodes. Take care, Aaron. It's my buddy Aaron in Boise with an E. Uh, you know,
2: you getting messed with here? I What's don't, going
1: on? I <laughs> don't like Bigsby's. I can I'll tolerate them on like a hollow body, you know, arch top, like a Gretsch or something. Thing on a telly uh no seems wrong huh a strat that is a step too far my friend that's, let me tell you that's something a crime a strat already has a tremolo system yeah that works a thousand times better than a bigsby works up and down so yeah i think that this is a little bit of insanity right <laughs> it's just a little but you have a good time now yep. As far as your question goes, should you use an angled shim? That depends on on how the action is and how the angle is from the neck to the bridge, and if you need to shim it or not. I I, I wouldn't know unless I had the guitar on my bench and could look at it. If it needs a shim, put a shim in it.
2: Yeah. If it needs to be angled,
1: but the shim, shim is that the will l- reveal itself. The yeah. least of your problems. Yeah. You put a Bigsby on a Strat, man. It's like lipstick on a pig, that shim right there, whether it's angled or not. I mean, I'm wondering if you you should even put strings on it, let alone a shim. (laughs) It's an affront to nature, he thinks. That's too bad. I asked somebody once. I was working on a guitar that none of us liked, right? Yeah, didn't have good feelings, huh? Nobody liked this guitar. Yeah. And I asked, I remember asking my coworker once back in Seattle, I said, what should I? What? Should, what do you think I should do? What should I do with this here? And very seriously, while scratching his chin, he said, <laughs> "Well, if you put a really tall nut on it, if you jack the nut way up so the strings are sitting up way up high, then maybe you could slip another guitar <laughs> underneath the <laughs> s- string
2: <laughs> if it were if the nut were really tall." I thought maybe you'd say you go down to that pier right within sight of this. Yeah. Tie it to a cinder
1: block. Pitch it in the bay.
2: Well, I thought that was kind of a fun little question. That's great. Should I try another
1: one? Thanks, Aaron. Yeah.
2: I will. Hello, Fred Files. Hi. Love the show and hope you cats are feeling groovy. It's a good greeting. I have a question question about strings and setups. Here's the backstory. I purchased a hollow body guitar and it played great at the music store. The guitar had 9 to 42s, uh 9 to 42 strings. Is that okay. how you'd say
1: that? Yeah, 9 through 42. Yeah, sure. 9
2: through. All right. It really should be an n dash to uh, convey that range, not just a hyphen. The owner put on a 10 to through 46s. Said as he knows this is my preferred string gauge. Hold on.
1: He bought a guitar.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was great at the music store, which I think is
1: like foreshadowing. Right. He bought it. Okay. He bought a guitar. Yeah. The guitar had nines. Mm hmm. He says the owner put tens on it. Well, isn't he the owner? He bought it. Man, this is like, I was watching Murder She Wrote the other day with my mom and
2: my daughter, and I think we may be onto something. Like when, yeah. Let's keep an eye on both of those situations. Uh, Let's see how, oh, maybe he,
1: oh, he means the shop owner. Okay, the shop. Okay. The at shop owner, store, yeah. The guy at the music store put 10s on it as yeah. he knows that that is his yeah, preferred string gauge. Okay, go ahead. Carry okay. on. I well, was confused.
2: And and it's all right to to move forward with an air of uncertainty cuz yeah, something could happen. Okay, got the preferred string gauge, got home, and it didn't play as well as it did in the store. Hmm. So I played it with the 9s. Took the guitar back, and they set up the guitar. Yeah. Guitar plays fine, but just not as well as before. Oh, still not as well as before. Would a change in string gauge cause this to happen, or could it be the setup? Also, if the strings are the culprit, can you change back to the lighter gauge without replacing or filling in the nut? Thanks, all the best. Joe
1: from Virginia. Yeah, to go from 10s back to 9s, you really probably won't have any problem with the nut. Minimal, huh? But you will need to adjust, at a minimum, adjust the truss rod and possibly even adjust the intonation a little bit. Yeah. So they, you tried it out with nines. You liked it. They put tens on it and didn't set it up. So now it has heavier strings and the action crept up a little bit because well, it's they, pulling on no, the neck harder. They set it up. Right. Then he took yeah. it back oh, to the store right. and then they set it up. Yeah. And then it's and not. then it played okay, but just not as well as before. Well, to me, it sounds like you just liked how it felt with nines. Yeah, so give up your identity as a as a ten fella. Try nines. Yep. I mean, how much she is a it. pack of strings? Seven bucks. I don't know. They
2: could be like seven, eight five bucks. bucks. I don't know. Just just fifteen dollars.
1: Put nines on it and and see if you like it. That'd be the first
2: step, wouldn't it? It's okay if you like nines.
1: It's okay. We won't tell anybody. Yeah. Hollow body. I mean, Billy Gibbons plays eights. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah, I think you should try it with nines on it. And you might have to have it set up for the nines. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Just a titch. Well, that was fun. Hey, Eric and Nat. Love the
2: podcast. I listen faithfully to every episode, but also wanted to let you know that I often suffer with insomnia, and have found that listening to you guys is a great way to distract my mind from the anxious thoughts that plague <laughs> uh-huh. me around two to three a.m. Oh man, the old hour of the wolf—that's tough.
1: That's this is how I used to approach uh, coast to coast a.m. The old Art Bell program. Yeah,
2: you'll dip your toes in. You'll listen think listen well, to I'm, it at night. This is for my insomnia. Next thing you know, you're in. It's like Days of Our Lives or something. You want to know who's gonna? Anyway, and your presentation style and pleasant voices. Oh, allow me to doze right off again. So thanks for being both Mm -hmm. very informative and for being a pretty great cure for insomnia. Yeah, kind of a backhanded compliment there, but thank you. No, I've got an exclamation point. That was in earnest. Here's my question. I have a semi-hollow guitar I built. That's cool. With a set of P90s. Okay. They are Alnico 4 and wound to 7.8K in the bridge and 7 even for the neck. Okay. I tend to use treble bleeds on most of my guitars and installed an Orange Drop 0.001 microfarad capacitor with a 100K resistor in the parallel configuration. Okay, so the, those two are parallel. Yeah. I noticed that at full volume the guitar sounds great, but when I back off to about 9 out of 10 on the volume, uh, all the body and fullness of the pickups just goes completely away. Man, I'm skeptical, but... They sound bright, but very thin for P90s, all the way down to zero on the travel of the volume pot. Hmm. Admittedly, the treble bleed circuit was installed for a different set of P90s, which I found to be to be very dark and muddy. I plan later this weekend to just remove the circuit and see what I think of the pickups that way. But my question to you is, are there different capacitor slash resistor values you'd recommend for these relatively low wind P90s? Hmm. Or are you morally opposed, I appreciate him uh, leaving room for that, because that happens, you know, morally opposed to treble bleed circuits? I understand. Here we go. That was a good setup. Jack White will not play a guitar that has one installed. Mm. I really miss the Jack White jokes. Mm. <laughs> He's just baiting people now. Yeah. If if it is helpful to know, the rest of the electronics include the CTS 500K pots for the volume and tone pots. Okay. The guitar is wired with a standard Switchcraft three-way switch with one volume and two tones. Okay. The neck pickup is reverse wound, reverse polarity with a standard switchcraft. Uh I missed my lines. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of black in here. Uh reverse wound, reverse polarity. So the guitar is hum canceling. This is painful. In the middle position. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm almost done. Okay. And this issue is identical in all three switch positions. Yes. Thanks again for the great podcast. You guys are the best, Rod
1: in Alabama. Thanks, Rod. We Take try. It away. That was a good one. He's talking about, uh, with with this point zero zero one capacitor. Tiny little. And a daily. 100K resistor. He's talking about treble bleed circuit, which is different from a treble roll-off, which is the capacitor we use on the tone mm. pot. Right. He's talking about, you, you can put a capacitor, or a capacitor and a resistor, across the two hot lugs of a pot, and it is supposed to retain the higher frequencies as you roll a volume pot down. Okay, Uh I just wanted to make sure we were all in the same page. I'm glad you explained that. I don't like them. I think they make your pickups sound thin as soon as you start rolling off the volume pot. And that is exactly what you happen to be describing here. Yeah. So, quick fix, you take some wire cutters and just snip those things out of there. That's my opinion.
2: And maybe it worked before, because he's saying these are a little bit, are those a little bit underwound for a P90, 7.8K yeah. in the bridge?
1: Yeah. I mean, they'd be overwound for Strat pickups, yeah. you know, so it's not, they're not underwound pickups by any sense of the ima- imagination. Okay. I question the Alnico 4. Oh, I'd, yeah? I'd, yeah, I'd put Alnico, I'd replace those magnets with Alnico 5s. Oh, I am totally unschooled in the Alnico's. That's me. Well, Alnico 5s uh, hold a stronger uh, charge magnetically. Oh, we talked about this a couple of episodes. Yeah. That's what you want. Everybody does. And people talk about, ooh, Alnico, you know, Alnico 2, Alnico 3, Alnico 4, Alnico 6, whatever. I've messed around with them. They all sound identical except just weaker yeah, they than got Alnico no, uh, 5. got no welly. Remember so, yeah. So if you just want a weak-sounding pickup, sure, but I don't, use Alnico 5. Yeah, and use then, Use Alnico 5 and snip those... And don't
2: do... He, he says he does the treble bleed all the time. Well... So he came in with this preconceived notion, you know, it says, like, I like 10s. And then you go, wow, these 10s aren't good, and those 9s were good. This is
1: pretty similar. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and... You know, a, a lot of guys use them on tellies. I just think it just makes them it makes them sound thin as soon as you start rolling down the volume. Yeah, and I thought that was
2: interesting. You said soon, just even 9 out of 10. Yeah. All the body and fullness goes completely away. That's well that's not a good modification at that no. point.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you here. I th- I uh I think it's time to just snip those out of there. Yeah. You yeah, have man. permission.
2: Hi, Eric. I have a 1968 SG Special. The little bit of headstock veneer that the truss rod cover is supposed to screw into broke off. And now there's nothing to grab the screw to hold the truss rod cover in place. See the attached pictures. It's got carnage, huh? Yeah, he showed me. Yeah, he sent pictures. Yeah. Gosh. Any tips on how to repair this? I'm a little afraid to glue anything in there for fear of gluing the truss rod in place. Oh. Thanks.
1: Jeff, reasonable fears. Yeah, but so easy to avoid. Um, yeah, what you have to, you're going to have to glue a little piece of wood in there. No way around it. Yeah, huh? but it's so easy to, what you're going to want to do is remove the uh, truss rod nut completely. Yeah. And pro- there's probably a washer behind it, you know, remove the nut and the washer. And then you can just mask off the, Threaded part of the rod, or you can put wax on it, you know, to keep the glue from sticking to it. Just cover it up. Yeah. It's no big deal. Plus, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be easy, Jeff. Just, uh, you can glue a little chunk of wood in there and then, and then make it, you know, flush with the surrounding wood and then drill a. I'll make it flush after. That sounds y- difficult. Yeah. After it's glued in. Yeah. 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 All right.
2: Well, let your anxiety be your guide, Jeff. <laughs> That's you know, it's gonna it's gonna see you through because then he will be conscientious and pay a lot of attention and that trepidation's gonna see you through. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, Eric. I per I purchased your Solid Sound book and I am currently trying to wire the three way pin up tele schematic. When I look at the drawing, it says. Bottom view of plate, but when I view my plate from the bottom, the blade switch lugs are staggered differently. Hmm. Is the blade switch shown as a top view? That's Scott in Bergen, New
1: York. Howdy, Scott. Different switch manufacturers will have the lugs staggered differently. Oh, in the layout? So if your switch is staggered slightly differently than the pictured switch. Don't worry about it. Just focus on each side of the switch and and how the lugs are soldered. Huh. Just ignore the stagger. Does that make sense? Can you picture what I, he's talking about? I, yeah, so you'll have lugs that are staggered.
2: He's looking at those layout right? drawings and he wants but it to be exactly the same and but it's definitely
1: a view from the bottom of the plate with the plate flipped over. Yeah, you can tell by the angle of the thing, right? A lot of schematics play. I see, the lugs are staggered differently from the standard CRL switch, but that's the switch you see most often. So I, I made it so that the it looks like a CRL switch. Center Lab, I think that's is the manufacturer. My, yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. But uh. Yeah. Don't worry about the stagger. Just wire it up in the same order, right? The, the, this wire goes to this lug, and this wire goes to this lug. And yeah. just get it on the right side yeah. that makes sense. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, and you'll be fine. Thanks. Thanks, Scott.
2: A Good little short one. Eric, thank you for continuing to share your knowledge on the podcast. The timing of episode 170 could not have been more perfect.
1: Which one was that? Is Uh, that the
2: one I just did? It was a good one. It had guitars and stuff in it. After 25 years of playing a late 70s acoustic with excessively high action, my grandfather passed it down to me when I was 10, I finally had the courage and confidence to address the action. Hmm. It's amazing what I could do with a functioning truss rod, YouTube, a $10 bone saddle blank from Guitar Center, and a little bit of sandpaper. Good for you. That's cool. Two things. I can't emphasize enough how much more comfortable my guitar plays with the proper action. Oh, yeah. If you have any listeners who think they may need set setup, they probably do and won't regret it. I, oh, yeah.
1: I echo those comments. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, you don't. Yeah, once you know. Now that I've... no, this is number two. got two things. Now that I've successfully transitioned from a nylon to bone saddle, what recommendations and advice do you have about upgrading to a bone nut the next time I change the strings? Should I try, and is it worth it? Thanks. Dennis in
1: South Bend, Indiana. All right, Dennis. Uh, So he's transitioned from plastic to bone saddle, and he wants to know...
2: What What about upgrading to a bone nut?
1: Yeah. Uh, Is it worth it, and should he try it? Well, Well, I would say yes to both. Absolutely. However, the DIY aspect of replacing a saddle... um, Replacing a saddle is much easier than replacing a nut. Replacing a nut requires that you cut new grooves and it really requires specialized tools and you have to know exactly what you're doing and it's you need the files. Huh? Yeah. So yes, it would be a good upgrade. Probably, and you know, unless you know what you're doing or unless you really want to buy all the tools and learn how to do it yourself, you probably want to have somebody else do it. Take it to a pro, take it to a competent luthier and have them do a, a bone nut. So he probably got a saddle blank and just used the sandpaper flat
2: to to sand the bottom of yeah, the Yeah, sanded it down from the bottom. And it was shaped yeah, already. Yeah, probably
1: pre-intonated and... Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, this is the next step, but that's cool. He's, he's thinking.
1: Yeah, but doing a nut is a lot more work and a lot more specialized. Yep, might be fun. It's worth
2: it. All right. Let me try that. That's Dennis. Thanks. Hi, Eric. I ordered the Solid Sound book, and I love it. Good. The book, Thank
1: you. Isn't that nice? The book is great. Lots of inspiration for me. Thanks. I've sold a lot of them, and I've shipped them all over the world. They
2: sure are good looking. I was thumbing through it earlier. One thing I'd personally prefer... Let me, let me state this before we get into this thing. I was surprised how many uh, variations there
1: were for an Esquire... I thought that was cool. For a single pickup, you know, yeah, there's a whole lot of different ways to wire that nuanced understanding if, of that. That's if cool. you haven't ordered my book, go to solidsoundbook.com and order one up. Do it. Do it. I have been autographing everyone recently. So if you've, if you've waited, that's your incentive. Mm-hmm. If that's, if that's uh, of any value to you, th- oh, sure that I'm going to sign it. But, uh, Listen, even if you don't plan on rewiring any guitars, it will expand the knowledge. I guarantee there you, you go. Yeah. it will expand your knowledge of guitar electronics and of pickups. And uh, how could that do anything but help your playing and your understanding of the guitar?
2: Boy, you really boxed him into a corner with that logic. Order my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got no out. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> you know, that's an important point. That, Like, hey... You you like guitars, don't you? You like this?
1: <laughs> you, like. You, you do because right, you're listening to this nonsense. Let's get back to our all question. Right, so is, the, is this going to be a compliment or a?
2: Uh, we don't know. He's setting this right, up. All, all right, right. Let's see. But let's soldier on. One thing I'd personally prefer to be Uh-oh. included is a schematic for each configuration, in addition to the layouts you've done. Oh,
1: a connoisseur.
2: Yeah. Well, he's got some... Why don't set us up? This is one of them uh, sandwich deals. You say something nice. Let's see if he says something nice at the end. Just to see better what's going on, and it would also help if you, for example, have a switch that has a different pin layout. Kind of like the previous deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he anticipated that. I know, probably too much additional work. Anyway, thanks again, and all the best, Michael in Switzerland.
1: Thought Switzerland was a neutral country.
2: Nah, well he see how he kept it kinda
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I understand it
2: with compliments.
1: I understand. The reason why there's not a schematic for every layout in the book is that most uh guys don't read schematics. Mm-hmm. Schematics are are uh, a lot more technical, right? And not 99% of people who, well, maybe 98% of people who read the book, the schematic would be just excess information that they wouldn't even look at. Yeah. And so why would I do it? Distracting Again, or superfluous. Yes, completely superfluous. And as you said, Michael, yes, probably too much additional work. And really, for what gain? So here's your homework assignment, Michael. Oh, no. He's going to regret this. Map out a schematic for each <laughs> layout. There you go. And email it to me. Yep. And uh, then I will grade you <laughs> on how well you've done.
2: Well, you know, I was flipping through there, and it's meant to be a desk reference, right? Yeah. And I was impressed that the layout drawings are as big as they are for a small book. So yeah. I don't know if you got good pictures on there, but people, rest, rest assured that you're going to see... The The layout is so much more useful when you've got four or six components in there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're easy to read, man. Good little book. Well, that's I appreciate that question and comment, Michael. Me
1: too. Thanks, Michael.
2: Hi, Eric. I'm getting into building cigar box guitars, possibly as a gateway drug to building full guitars. Oh, my. Yeah. So I am trying to use the tools that I have on hand, and I was wondering if you can use a Dremel to dress the fret ends for the neck as well as polish the frets. Hmm. Thanks. Gavin in Sydney, Australia. It's international. Look at that. It's ev- There's
1: Indiana, Switzerland, and Australia. Uh, Runs the gamut. Yes. Thank you, Gavin. Um, using a Dremel to dress the fret ends, uh, you could... That's a little bit overkill. That would be like using a chainsaw to do some fine carpentry, you know? Really? Yes, really. Okay. Because. Uh, <laughs> he sticks by it. What you want to do with. Um, when you're doing fret ends, you're using a file, and you're doing it by hand because you're going to file away the fret, and you're going to stop once you hit the neck with a Dremel or a power tool. A Dremel, Dremel is a power tool. Um, it would be really easy to take too much material off and to get oh, into boy. the get into the wood of the neck yeah, right
2: you'd never feel it
1: I would never use a dremel to dress fret head edges that's me that's me right. and my hands hurt from using a file to do the fret edges by hand uh, but no, a Dremel is, is overkill because it's, it's uh, what we're doing is fine detail work and a Dremel is going to just remove too much material too fast. Yeah, and you, it can't put it back on.
2: No. I would no. guess that you also have a better sensitivity for what's going on, a better feel for it. When it's hands-on, you're probably feeling that front end just it all the time you really know what's yeah what's going on with that well
1: and the other thing about it is when you're using a file it's a, it's a long file and when i'm filing fret edges that file spans you know 6 frets at once or more so that oh, so when you cite yeah. when you look down the neck the fret edges are all really uniform because they've all been shaped by the same tool going yeah. the same direction yeah. touching the frets all at the same time where if you if you go in there with a dremel and do each one by hand when you sight the neck it's going to look like some kind of snaggle tooth yeah it's going to have 22 gonna be
2: different things yeah, yeah. What, what a great use for a, a straight piece of metal you know absolutely well that's a good tip
1: yeah so I would say stick with tradition on that one that wraps it up for this episode of the Fret Files Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to participate in the show, you can go to my website. That's ericdaw.com. E R I C D A W.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757 774 8482. That number again is 757. 757- seven seven four eight four eight two. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.